Hey, this is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get into what we started, I just wanted to give you a little life update. I got back into 3D printing, fucking finally, and um, I am making making little guys again. I'm sorry about that. I'm also sorry about the air conditioner noise. Once again, I am pretty high up in terms of where my studio is. Like, I... The place I record, like, doesn't need to worry about global warming until the... Even if the ice caps melt. It's just... It's that high up. The... My recording studio specifically, I, I have, like... I've got lighthouse height going on here, guys. It's, it's so what I'm trying to say is it gets really, really hot up here if I don't run an air conditioner, and the uh, the actual my actual recording studio, the actual perch, as, as I call it, um, was finished illegally. So it has electric, but it does not have a way to get. AC up into it so we just got a small air conditioner that really covers the whole space quite nicely it's just loud as you know window units are because there is no god but on that note um so i've been 3d printing i'm finishing up a print of a slime girl that i'm finishing up like doing all the finishing like cutting all the supports and stuff if you want to see some of my um, 3D print work, you can go actually to my Instagram. I've posted most of them. I think a couple that I deemed a little NSFW, um, a little too NSFW for Instagram just didn't didn't go on Instagram. But for the most part, they're all there. So you can definitely go check those out on my Instagram, which is at Alex Holt Cohan. Um, but... That brings me to what we're talking about this week. And this week we're talking about a little show that premiered on Netflix. Um, I forget. I forget. Um, oh, it's making me do an intended for all audience thing. Um, it. I forget. Oh, it. I think it premiered on, no, not on the 16th, um, when did it premiere? When did, when did it premiere? Um, it premiered, it premiered on the May, on May 16th in, of this year, and that show is, I'm, actually, I'm gonna call it a, that OVA, um, is Vampire in the Garden. Vampire! 
化け物に変わり果てるまでお前はこんなところで死んだように生きることを望むのか So, Vampire in the Garden is a odd thing for a bunch of different reasons. Um, generally, the way that Netflix works is they will greenlight two seasons at a time. And what I mean by that is typically when you go and you, like, and you enter a show for like being considered to be made by a television network... They'll greenlight you for a season's worth of TV or like a certain amount of episodes. In typically anywhere from 6 to 24. Which basically means a half a season to like a, a quarter of a season to a, to a full season. Actually, I think 12 is considered a full season. So it would technically be a quarter to two. But... With Netflix, it works a little... With Netflix and it, specifically the streaming networks, TV programming works a little differently. Like, media buying works a little differently because there are two... There are two um, goals. The first goal... Actually, there are three. The first goal is for... To, like, fill the catalog. To fill the catalog with things. Because Netflix has a survivability problem, and always has, that no one's really worried about because they're producing originals at such a clip that they'll, like, make... That they've already made up for it in some way or another. But if everybody silos off into different streaming networks, what happened to The Office being on Netflix will eventually happen to everything. What happened to most Disney properties being... All Disney properties, really, being on Netflix will eventually happen to everything. And that is, all the stuff will be siphoned out of Netflix, that Netflix doesn't own will be siphoned out of it, and you'll be left with whatever Netflix has produced. And back in the day, before House of Cards, because that was their first original production that wasn't like a documentary, I think she, they had a hand in a lot of documentaries before House of Cards. Netflix had the problem of what happens if all these movies licenses run out on us and they don't renew? So they went. So people went looking for original, for originals to produce, and they found House of Cards, which was great until the whole Kevin Spacey of it all. Um, but that's their first goal: is to like fill the coffers. Their second goal is to get people to sign up for Netflix, and this requires 
them to make, um, which is a double-edged sword, because it because of the third goal. It requires them to make things that people are interested in, and requires them to make things that have some kind of polish to them. Generally, Netflix productions have a lot of polish because if you, rightfully so, if you're going to sign up for, to watch something, you don't want it to be absolute trash. Um, even if it is like, real, like junky reality TV, it has a little bit more production value than you would normally assume. Doesn't mean it's good, just means it like looks and feels better than like a lot of shows say on something like Discovery Plus. Like if you go So this is a thing that's bothered me for a while about um this uh show on Discovery Plus called Barbecue Brawl, which is like Bobby Flay and two other chefs get a team and they all go head to head at like barbecue challenges like barbecue style cooking challenges is the the director of that show is real into hip-hop, and they don't want to let him do what he wants to do, which is score the entire show exclusively with hip-hop. So what ends up happening is you get these weird cuts of, like, barely even a verse of a hip-hop song with, like, some cool, like, with, like, a couple of seconds of, like, cool footage. And then it, it just, like, sits there weird. And whereas, like, a Netflix version of that show wouldn't do that. They would, they would, like, either lean way in or not do it. Because of the kind of production values that they have to pride themselves on to get you to sign up. Um, but the last one is the double-edged sword. The last one is... They make, they make originals like... Vampire in the Garden, among other anime properties and animated properties, I'll get to that in a second, to keep you signed up, generally speaking. And the reason why I say generally speaking is because I have a sneaking suspicion that that's not the goal with Dance in the Vampire Garden, with, um, with Vampire in the Garden, rather. I've, Dance in the Vampire Bund is in my fucking skull right now, because... There are some, there are some tone similarities to this that are not the tones that are the bad tones of Dance and Vampire Bund, but still, it's there. Also, like, the rhythm of both titles feels similar, um, which does not help. But this leads to a kind of storytelling in Netflix shows, and specifically Netflix series, like, dramatic or otherwise, like, story-based series, where they know they're going to get another season, so they don't give you everything at once. They don't... I spent the last, um, the last at least two weeks just, just pumping, um, DC's Young Justice into my eyeballs, and one of the things that's really nice about that show is eventually they do their best to wrap up all the storylines and even storylines you didn't realize were happening by the end of every season. And yes, leave some cliffhangers, but like, if they didn't have another season, you would be fine. Like, they, they've told a full story there. 
And that's because they're making TV in the way that, like, you have to make, you had to make TV before the advent of streaming when you knew you were going to get that next season. They're making TV in a really terrestrial way where this could be the last part of this. You know, like, and what Netflix has done with their, like, two-season structure is they have created a scenario in which you don't need to do that. So the end of a season isn't necessarily a satisfying place to end. They also, especially with anime, and with other stuff too, will chop the season arbitrarily to wherever they feel like is a good set of episodes. To put. It's like a good number of episodes to put up. So you don't get um, the full story at once because they're trying to space it out so you stay subscribed for, uh, for like the next six months until they release the rest of, say, um, um, Arcane or whatever. And Ar- Arcane was one of the things they did this with. It's like they just straight up split. And actually, I think they did that specifically to give them more time to work on the second half. But still, they split the whole thing. And so you could binge like the first six episodes, the first chunk of episodes. And I think the last three or four came like at a later date. And that's all about, like, managing subscribers and, like, also giving people time to work on stuff. But it's more about keeping you subscribed for longer, I'm sure. And also there's all sorts of, like, things about, like, how they approve things, how they deem things a success. is very, like, binge-oriented and all this other stuff. What I'm trying to say is, like, we've all been hearing, if you pay attention to, like, media news... We've all been hearing that, like, Netflix is having some issues. There's reasons they're having issues. There's, like, and those reasons have a lot to do with how they handle their IP and how they continue it and how they don't continue it. The other thing I haven't told you here is that most shows on Netflix, very many shows on Netflix, get two seasons and don't get a third. Like, they get two seasons and then they're dropped. And then they're canceled because it served its purpose. It's had, it's gotten you subscribed for like a year to two years, and now you're in. You're watching other stuff. What are you gonna do? Cancel your Netflix subscription? And that, on top of the fact that they realized that everybody and their brother was using like one Netflix account in Ohio, um, <laughs> contributed to them just not having great follower numbers for the. For really the first time, like followers dropped like a, a little bit, like a rock through with some air resistance to it. It it it's not good. So they're they're changing the way they treat series and treat things and treat like storylines and all this stuff. And um, I found out recently that in addition to shooting their um, live action One Piece movie. By a harbor, they're building Netflix studios, and my gut feeling is that they're doing that because they need to function more like a studio system. They need to be able to spin up and spin down in really quick, really quick order because the studio system has produced things in a really, really successfully for the most part in a way where like you can depend on like. Okay, the next season says it's coming out now. It's coming out now. It's a whole thing. 
So, what does this mean for a show like Dance, like Vampire in the Garden? Gotta get Dance and Vampire bummed out of my head. Just shove it out of my skull. What it means is, is that this show isn't really designed for a second season. It doesn't feel like it to me, at least. So the reason why I call them an OVA is because back in the day, OVAs or OAVs referred to as only video or only animation video. I forget which way equals what. But they were and later online video animation, which is really what this would be classified as. Um, if you look at a show like Flag, the like mystery, the like mystery, what happened to this f in in this whole deal? War photographer, like you're, it's it's an anime for dads, a little bit, and it's it's good, but it's funny as hell because it feels like, oh, your dad got real into World War Two. We got something for him, too. Don't you worry. And it's not going to involve any Nazis. We can promise you. Uh, but the conceit of that was it was produced to be released online. It was not produced ever to be broadcasted on television, live on, tel on the television channel, and then um, released as a DVD. It was released only for online consumption. Later they made, I think they made like limit, like special edition box sets of it as like an anniversary thing. But even before that, an OVA was an only video animation. If you've heard the term direct to video, which is um, what they use for a lot of the quite frankly lesser um, nightmares of Disney movies, um, it, and, and not all those Disney movies are lesser. It's just they weren't... The property was, that they were using was not at a place where it could, like, support a theatrical release. So they just put it out in a clamshell and, like, minted their fortune off that that way that year. Um, the Lion King one and a half is notoriously like this. And that movie's supposed to be kind of incredible. <laughs> um, but, or, I think it's Lion King one and a half. But, um, the long and short of it is, is that these were things that weren't, that wouldn't have the mass appeal to be able to get a TV slot. So they were still produced because people were still interested in producing it because animation at its core is an art form. And, like, there are, there, even back in the day, there were enough fans of anime who would sight unseen or with like a trailer released online or like released at an anime con or you know like post like posted to twitter or something or a good magazine article about it would be like oh i've heard of this it it's an ova right and they'd like pay whatever it was it's like pay like the 32 bucks for the dvd and bring it home and watch it and be happy or not happy it didn't really matter but this is where you got a lot more, like, experimental, a lot more... You got a lot more shows that would go on to become bigger shows. For example, um... What's it called? Um, what's it, um... Tenchi Muyo 
was originally a 13-episode OVA. If you look at the, like, naming conventions, they call it the Tenshimuyu OVA. And it was, a, it was like a season-long, basically experiment of a thing to see, like, do people want this? And it turned out people super wanted it. And then that aired on TV, and then it got more and more and more and more and more, and, like, no need for Tenchi and all this other, like, Tenchi next-generation nonsense. Um, but, so, the, the reason why I'm telling you all this is because Vampire in the Garden feels like that's what it... That's the kind of lineage it's pulling from as a show. It doesn't feel like the thing that say, a traditional street, that, like, a traditional anime channel on TV would necessarily play without knowing it would be popular anyway. It, it does feel like the kind of OVAs you would encounter on, like, the late-night anime block on the sci-fi ch channel, but it doesn't feel like, hey... Cartoon Network picked this up for a season for its first season. Congratulations. <laughs> and those are very different things. And it's if I had to guess the reason why it feels that way, it's because at its heart this show is a tragedy. It's not not a happy show. It's not a happy show in any way in any way, shape, or form. It's a hopeful show, but it's not a happy show. So I'm going to do a little bit of a plot synopsis here. Um, and also, the other thing that makes this, gives this OVA feel is that it's only five episodes long. Like, you can watch this in a day. Easy. Like, you can bang it out, like, probably in two and a half hours. Like, two hours and twenty minutes, and you'll be, like, in, out, good. But, the show follows a human girl named um, Momo. And a vampire girl named Fine, and as they like partner up, event that they partner up through a tragedy, essentially, and they travel across a like very fucked up Earth in which both vampires and humans exist, and both vampire and humans like segregate and hate each other, and like the are on the brink of war or at war and like attacking each other and sh gunning each other down eating each other the whole nine the whole vampire nightmare but like in like a very steampunk wind like frost punk aesthetic kind of thing and it it focuses on Momo Probably the most. Because Momo is, a, a, the human character. And she... Is the most open... It's a toss-up between her and Fine. Who's the most open-minded about the possibility of... Actually, I'm going to take that back. Because Fine is primarily interested in having a relationship with Momo. For reasons you find out later. Momo is interested in, like, opening up the possibility for living alongside vampires. Now I know what you're saying. Alex, don't vampires, you know, drink people like, Cap like Capruti stun packages? Yes. 
Yes, they do. And this show shows that in um, in so much as it is a in, in all the horror elements of it, and they show that like vampires have this like uh, all seemingly get this like drug blood-based drugs that they can inject that make them turn into like a like man bat scenario in which they're like giant horrifying creatures which they can turn back which they eventually do turn back from but they turn into like mindless killing machines with like the goal of like kill humans get out and there's two, there's like opposing forces on each side. On Fine's side, there's her, um, there's kind of her attendant, you're led to believe. And her attendant is, um, is a guy named Allegro. And Allegro is like a very royal looking vampire. And you're told that Fine is royalty is like a princess. It's like a vampire princess. Um, which now I'm thinking about vampire princess Mew. God damn it, get out of my head. Um but he's like waging wars and waging like assaults against human against like human fortresses and like trying to take the human fortress and the whole nine. And he's not doing a very good job of it. And in in one of those bunch of story events leave Momo to be like out and also Momo is a soldier but you see that Momo unlike every other soldier has like compassion in a way that feels like normal human shit like she like even if they're a vampire she's not gonna kill a kid she's just not gonna do it like it's not as it's not in her to kill a kid and because of that she gets like stationed to like a safe death job she's also like an important bureaucratic figure who really who like the only reason she was fighting and like hunting vampires to begin with is because she like it would be seen as nepotism if like her mom who is like that daughter of the head of the military put her in a, de a cushy death job right away and she's basically told that when her mom's like um you fucked up you couldn't kill that vampire kid because you have a heart and that's bad. So I'm putting you in this death job a little early, but not early enough for people to call it nepotism. <laughs> Congratulations, you're safe forever now. Mom job accomplished. And you notice that her mom is like... Her mom is fully drunk the Kool-Aid. And you, you find out later... When you meet her uncle, who's like a like got a crack team of other vampire hunters and is like a samurai sword wielding like vampire slayer himself. Um and is like a unique is like the unique bad guy of the show. Like he's like the unique henchman bad guy. Um You find out later that the reason why he hunts vampires the way he does, because when you see him in the show he, he's not after killing vampires. He's after getting Momo back from a vampire. 
and you learn in a pretty effectively not effectively placed because placed like oh he's about to die he's about to lie here and die real quick so we need you to care about him for five seconds but you find out that he in the early days of like vampires or exist now or, or like vamp like we know vampires exist now he fell in love with a woman who was a vampire and went to marry her and she just lady lost it and like ate the entire wedding party. And at least that's what you believe happened. Based on the flashback. And you see Momo's mother was the one who slayed this woman. And if I had to guess if they were going to do a, like a second batch of episodes of this, my guess would be that they would focus on that. They would bring you all the way back to the like beginning of this guy's story and like how he meets this vampire, how he falls in love with her, how he gets all the way up to almost marrying her and she just flips out and eats a bunch of people. And you see there why like Momo is now, Momo's mother is now reaffirmed her sense of these things are bad. These things suck, actually. Uh, my, my stupid, like, anti-vampire racism is is worse it, really, because it is born through by the one bad apple years ago. But the interesting thing is, like, the reason why Momo ultimately runs away from this whole scenario is... Not because she's been put in a boring desk job, but because she discovered just a tiny... She discovered this tiny music box. And, like, this music box represents, like, the culture of music, the culture of entertainment, the culture of playing music and listening to music. And you see in, like, a really great Sakaka moment for this show, you see Fine, like show up at this party, at this, like, vampire royal aristocratic party, and she's, like, dancing, and she's, like, dancing with another girl, and she, like, lifts her up in the air and, like, flies around, and it's this fun, like, joyful time. And that tells you that for vampires, vampires have, like, burst into the world and staked a place and have, like, allowed themselves joy and allowed themselves culture, whereas humans on the other, on the opposite side of the coin, have taken, like, things like music and, like, dancing and all that stuff, like, the cultural elements of life, and just kind of seen them as, those are for vampires. Those, like, that's, va that's, that's vampire cult shit. We don't touch it. And so things like, like I said, music and culture and all that stuff is not the only culture in human society that you can see is up until a certain point in the show, up until I think episode three or four, up until episode four, I think, is um, military. Related. It's it's all like military culture bullshit. 
And when Momo finds this music box and she becomes like entranced with it, she like it's just like fascinated by it. It's fascinated by the fact that somebody used all this ingenuity to make a thing that plays music for you. And Momo's mother freaks out like you've been tranced by vampire culture, blah 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 blah. Gets real gets real white supremacy with it real quick. And Momo freaks out, pissed off at her mother, pissed off that her mother punished her for doing nothing wrong, for for sparing a child who was terrified. Simply and not killing it and not killing that said child. Or said children, which makes it oddly worse. Um, simply because they were vampires. And the reason why that backfired wasn't because she killed them. It was because she didn't kill them, but she didn't get them out of there. In t- she didn't like get them to like scurry off or go away. Before another officer came in, freaked them out, and like a very cop circa 2022 like leveled a gun at them and they went full beast mode and tried to eat everybody in the room. Like, there was an escalation there that took that out of control very quick, that spiraled that situation out of control very clearly. And if like, Momo had just been like, hey, I know you're scared. If you go this way, there's nobody that way. But you have to go now and you have to be as quick as possible and you have to get out of here. And those kids listened. Then it would have been. There would have been at least a chance of like. Those kids lived. Nothing bad happened. And like down the road Momo has like a get out of jail free card somehow. But another officer came in. Escalated. Two dead vampire kids. Now they look like man bats but you know. They got there because the situation escalated. And Momo sees in this world what the show wants you to see in the world and that like this sucks for both sides. Like yes vampires get culture but they don't really get freedom. And you see that later I think in like episode it, you see that in episode 3 and in episode 4 it's they find Eden finally, which is its own nightmare. Um, you see, like, a vampire, you see, like, a town that is, like, split down the middle by a river and also by lights. Um, special lights that they use are, like, UV lights to, like, trap vampires so they can shoot them in the head or whatever the fuck. Whatever kind of Nazi shit they do. Um, and you see the, like, tenuous truth that they've struck between humans and vampires, and it sucks. It's gold being traded for blood at, like, on a bridge where everybody's at a disadvantage and everybody brings guns and weapons. It's it's bad. And, like, the side, but neither side of the bridge is living particularly well. One is, like, armored to the hilt, military bullshit, and the other is, like, a, like, den of, like, depravity and, like, any blood they can get their hands on, and it real it real sucks. 
And throughout the show, you see this, like... You see the show constantly... Reckoning with the with the with the core idea of vampires, meaning vampires can't live in the daytime, and vampires eat people, or at very least drink them like Caputi stun packages. Um, and what kind of fear that strikes into the whole of humanity, and how far humanity is willing to go when presented with that fear. But really knowing nothing else. And neither side really knows anything else. And then you have the character of Fine, who is actively trying not to drink blood. And, like, actively, like, lives off by herself so she's not tempted, doesn't listen to people when they say you need to drink blood, it's, like, part of your being, and doesn't accept it from Momo when Momo offers her own blood for, you know, health purposes. Um, and then you get to, I think it's, I think it's an episode four you get to Eden. You get to this place that they were, they've been searching for because when they meet, they're like instantly taken with each other. Momo's like, please help me. You find out later that Fine helped her because Momo's like the spitting image of Fine's wife, of Fine's long since dead human wife. Probably the reason Fine doesn't drink blood is because she had a human wife. Um, and this show is very same-sex relationship positive on like many levels, but it they both Momo and Fine genuinely care for each other in the way that, like, family cares for family. But when they find Eden, they... what The town they end up going looking for is a town called... Is a place called Eden. And Eden is supposed to be this, like, mystical place where vampires and humans live side by side in harmony. And... You see that. You see Eden... And you see, like, a little glimpse of what compromise looks like. And see, and they meet this little... I forget the little girl's name. Um, I don't... I, I totally forget the little girl's name. But she, like... There's this little girl who acts... Who rescues them from... Very, in, when they're in a very bad, fucked-up way. Since the vampire town they were... Dang, and went totally ape shit because there was a person there, and they're like, "Oh, that person filthy with human blood, ours now." Um, and and that goes bad. That breaks bad very quickly. But um, the town of Eden, the way they kind of position it is humans take is all the humans who live who who ultimately live here take turns. And they offer, and they, like, go and have their blood drawn, like, once a month. There's enough humans here with, like, it, it cycles once a month. And that way we keep enough blood, A, to, like, wean you down to a minimum of, like, to a minimum of blood you need to survive. And B, no one gives too much, and it's not identifiable. Because you're not eating the, you're, you're not drinking straight from the pouch, so to speak. 
Um, my Nightmare Capri Sun reference. Um, but you end up finding out that this town grew up around it, grew up as like an outcropping of a long since abandoned submarine. And they say nuclear submarine, but submarine. And you end up finding out that this abandoned submarine is being used as a medical facility, and it strikes you as a bit odd. It's it's a notable, like, this show has like a dark frost punk aesthetic until you get to Eden. And then Eden feels like a snowy mountain village in the middle of nowhere that is like, they've just got the perfect balance. It feels like a dream. But why Momo is like totally taken with it and like her heart is open enough where she's like, this is, this is the dream. This is like, this is what me and Fina had been looking for. And it is in fact what they've been looking for. The postcards that, that, that they've encountered, the paintings they've encountered, were all leading to this actual place. But, I should put this it, It's just not. And it's not in, in, but the key point is, is that it's not in, it's not the place they were looking for, but it's the best the world has to offer currently. Because vampires and humans really are living together and they really are like helping each other and, you know, they have friendly and romantic relationships, I'm assuming. And there's no, like, people getting killed in the night kind of shit. The, the, reason, why, the reason why they present the um, medical facility in the, in the down-and-out submarine, in the part that's still, like, up in, like, the air, is because they need some place to bring vampires who have nowhere else to go, and they're still so, like, dependent on blood that they, like, need a place for them to be, like, out of the way and, like, <laughs> locked in a room, potentially, and allowed to go through withdrawal with no temptations. And that's very specific. But when this goes bad, when the vampire hunters and Momo's mom find her at in Eden, Momo is forced to understand what... what Fine seems to understand from the very beginning. And that is, we getting along, that's, like, that's me and you agreeing. Like, being sentient people finding ourselves in a good place. The world changing its attitude is it probably not the real deal. There's something terrible here. There's some big nightmare here. And the big nightmare ends up being there is a there's a vampire who the uh, um, little girl dismisses being like he has a really terrible blood addiction like we're, we're getting him treatment he's been having a really hard time sorry about that that guy that particular vampire is actually locked in the bottom of the submarine the part that's submerged and he's like hooked up to a weird nuclear powered device that causes him to that they keep giving, they pump blood into him, 
and they cut it out of him, and then they he regenerates, and then they do it again and again and again and again forever. That's the weird eldritch horror. That's the way this town works. That's the way there's enough blood for any vampires who want to stay here. That's the way there's enough blood for a vampire to like go and get a fix once a week and be fine. It's not... It, it's not everybody banded together. It's at, the, it's at the expense of this one soul. And like, that is rightfully shown to be a nightmare. And the little girl instantly goes full fucking evil. And is like, yeah, how'd you think this worked, girly? If you want to just do, ignore this, then... Bygones be bygones. Welcome to the town. But if you want to have a conscience... I'm gonna have to kill you. And I haven't drank straight from a person in a very long time. I would very much like it. And she gets, like, full evil. And Fine, like I said, she's, like, entire time sensed this darkness, sensed this oddity, because it felt, it felt too dreamlike. It felt too... It felt like the too-good version of the world that could exist. And she gave Momo this like like fancy like um gauntlet blade kinda like the blade from um kinda like Ezio's blade from um what's it called from uh not Prince of Persia, the other one, the um the one from Ubisoft. I for, I forget what it's called. But um and she said, just in case, in case you need to defend yourself. And she, and Fine ends up leaving, because she's like, Momo's really happy here, I don't want to, I don't want, whatever this spookiness is, I don't want to wreck it for her. I don't want to get in the way of her happiness, so I'm going to leave her here. This seems like the best thing for her. But I'm also going to leave her this fucking nightmare knife bracelet, just in case. And Momo ends up stabbing this little girl and, like, letting her fall into the depths, of, the flooded depths of the submarine. At the same time, her mother and the vampire hunter have found her. And eventually this all culminates with... Fine going full man-bat to, you know, protect Momo since they're like, um, Momo has to pay for, you know, breaking... Breaking the rules and Momo might have to die. Even her mother is like, Momo might have to die. And so Fine goes full man bat to protect her. Gets obviously pretty fatally injured. And this whole thing ends with Momo rescuing Fine and her mother like holding a gun directly at Momo's head and being like, you have to come back with me. You have to. I won't let you leave. And Momo's just like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not going back to the miserable life that you, that I grew up in, that you built for yourself. That, that you let yourself live. I'm not doing it. I'd rather, you know, stay with my, Stay with my friend for, like, the rest of her life, however long or short it is. And then I'll see what's out there. And it... 
like I said, the reason why I believe that this is like an OVA and it's like in the kind of show it is is because it's only five episodes, which we know what is a season anymore. But it's also really allegorical. It has a lot of things to say about how unimportant the seemingly weighty differences between us and other people are has a lot to say about like it's it's a very it's also got a very the kids are all right kind of message it has a lot to say about like choosing your own path finding finding a person who understands you and appreciates you and like seeing where that goes seeing it to the end and it it much of what Netflix has approved, much of what Netflix has approved in terms of like, has like taken on in terms of anime feels, what's the best word for it? Um, feels like it, it might have a shot on terrestrial TV, but Netflix got it first. And oftentimes that has happened in the past. like. JoJo's is now losing Netflix, which means they're fucking they're fucking with it because they're fucking with the pace of the like release pace of JoJo's, which had not helped JoJo's like retain a kind of popularity it had before it was Netflix exclusive. But JoJo's was on Cartoon Network. You know, lots of stuff that's on Netflix has been on Cartoon Network. Lots of stuff that's on lots of stuff that's on Crunchyroll and used to be on Funimation, sad song, um, was on, went on Toonami or Adult Swim or all that stuff. This feels like, Vampire in the Garden feels like it would have come out as a, as a streaming exclusive in this case, but as an OVA in the old style of licensing. It feels like it would have, or it feels like at least it would have been a five night limited series on a Adult Swim or on a sci-fi. It wouldn't have been this like thing that was broadcasted over and over and over again. It may come back for moments, but it wouldn't be like played to death like something like Naruto or Cowboy Bebop certainly I just found it interesting I, I I find it pretty morose which is probably why I avoided watching the whole thing for a while but it was it's an interesting thing to be made um the, the, I forgot what the movie is, but there's a movie out that seems, like, pretty violent. And I've had a theory that's been going on, that's been going on in my head for a while that people's gauges are off currently. And what I mean by that is, like, take a movie like Morbius, another vampire thing. Movie's supposed to be, by all rights, terrible. 
And people, like, took it to mean, like, let's mock the shit out of this. Let's, like, go see it ironically or buy tickets and not go or whatever. Um, because Mor- Morbius is terrible and we are bored. And that led to, like, them trying to re-bring it out in theater. and all- But also, like, you look at a movie like Morbius and, like, you just you look at the reviews and you look at the trailers even or the footage that you can find or it and it's hard to like not think like this movie needed to be re reworked badly like even even the trailers don't make it look good and what that tells me is that like it's like people's people's gauges are off and people's gauges are off and, like, the way that everybody knows that people's gauges off currently, like, supply chains are fucked up, blah, 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 blah. But people also don't know what people want. Because, and I think a huge part of the reason for that is globally, globally, we have all just, like, fucked, up, fucked with our own heads for two years in the form of a pandemic. For more than that, in the form of a pandemic. And... That has left a, like, weird aftershock. And a weird... And we were already, like, having a weird moment. As a... As a species. Before the pandemic showed up. Like, it was very clear. We fucking elected a... Racist orange... To the White House. Like, as a country. Like, that... When a country does that, it's not, it's not, like, just, you can just generally be a certain, like, somebody's going like, hey, are the humans okay? Just don't look at them straight in the eye. Um, you'll be fine, I hope. Um, but, people don't know what people want. Like, like, people making things don't know what people want. But one of the things that is beautiful about that a people actually let me rewind that a little bit people don't know what people want and companies are trying to reshape the way we watch things like i said netflix has a has a binge model of television that many people at first adopted but are now like rolling back disney plus is giving you an episode a week at a time the whole thing's probably done. But they refuse to let you binge the thing. Because they find value in the cadence, the discussion, the water coolerness of something like Miss Marvel if it's a week-to-week viewing experience. If it's not an experience that you sit down and you watch the whole thing and you talk about it and you move on. And if you look at Marvel's shows, even something as like, fucking weird as Moon Knight had a lot more discussion than something that typically has a lot of discussion around it like JoJo's on Netflix. Moon Knight was on Disney Plus to be clear. But, and that's because what, and this is inherent to anime because anime has a weekly streaming culture attached to it by like by design and by just its history, that 
space feels different than um, the space occupied by weekly appointment TV. Like, oh, it's Thursday. There's a new Miss Marvel out. I just started watching Miss Marvel this morning. But the the binge model combined with them being of shaky ground and combined with them really marketing to niche audiences like it they have been producing weird anime niches for a while like not the weirdest but like weird enough where you're like this is not for everybody but it's for enough people who would subscribe to watch this thing all of plus the like unraveling of a lot of societal norms and a lot of societal like regularity have all combined to like make us make space for something like vampire in the garden for something for things that even if they're not sure of what they're saying of even if they're not like perfectly made they're saying something they're interesting they're thoughtful um Another great show on Netflix is a show called Blue... And apparently this show gets real sad, or sad-er, real sad-er, because it already gets real sad, was Blue Period. I think I talked about Blue Period on this podcast. But, um... That's a show about art and discovering art, and discovering art to at least the main character, what feels like later in life than anybody around him discovered art. Like, he's a teenager, and he, like, enters into the art world where, like, everybody else had been doing it for longer. And that's... As somebody who has always been a creative and who has encountered people who are, like, discovering their creativity, this feels very true to life. Like, this kid is very much fast-tracking himself into being an art student in a real way. In a way that's, like... Ah, kid, you're doing it. <laughs> you're doing it. You might not make it, but I appreciate that you're doing it. Good for you, kid. It's gonna get weird, but you're doing it. <laughs> and it... That struck me as, like, such an odd show, but it also struck me as such a fun show to watch. Like, it became my, like, Saturday morning show for, like, that season because I would, like, sit down with, like, on Saturday morning with breakfast with like a breakfast I got from the bakery and just watch the show and be, I like have fun watching Blue Period for like a half an hour uh, but I think that's kind of the best thing about Vampire in the Garden and the best thing about a lot that maybe not the best things coming out right now but is interesting is that this like it's really it's pretty hard to get a um, non-action movie made these days. It's even pretty hard to get a non-Marvel action movie made, and it'd be successful these days. But something's got to give, because not everybody's in it for bish, boom, ba, kick the guy's ass, rah, rah, rah. People are generally in it because they love movies. 
And yeah, they'll go see a Marvel movie, but they would also love to go see, like, you know, a comedy, a drama, something. And I think we might be on the precipice of finally getting that stuff again, of finally, like, of, like, people being so at their wits end looking for stuff. They're like, I fucking, sure. Like, here's money, make it. And I think that Netflix, I don't think that will necessarily always happen on Netflix, especially now that it's, like, trying to, like, reel it in a little bit. But I think that it, that experimentation is good, and that experimentation always needs to continue because, you know, Vampire in the Garden is not going to be for everybody. But at the very least, it's interesting, and it has some interesting ideas, and it has some, like, ideas that the world currently kind of needs. It's a good thing it was made. On that note, um, if you like this episode, um, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Thursday shows are like this. They're about a specific show or movie or, like, property. Um, Sunday shows are more um, metatextual. They are about, like, animation. They are about, you know, entertainment, the industry... Um, anime fans, the whole line, and on that note, I have been Alex, and this has been Lunchbox Radio. I will talk at you, I believe, I believe on Sunday, I'm not sure. Um, let me, let me look at that, actually. I don't think, actually, I think that, um, next Sunday is, that I did a Sunday edition last Sunday, but... Um, I'm real organized, you can tell. Um, no, I will, I will, I will talk to you next Thursday. Because, um, there was a Thursday, there was a Sunday edition all about, oh no, I'll talk to you next Sunday, because the last, um, Thursday edition, the last Sunday edition was two weeks ago, and it was on Perspective, if you want to go look that up. And, um, so I will talk to you on Sunday.